0: Welcome to Salem First Assembly Podcast. May this week's message by Pastor Brian D. Corkin be a blessing to your life in helping you to grow in your understanding of God's Word, strengthen your faith, and equip you to become all that God has created you to be.
1: How many were here last week and heard me speak? And you came back. Wow. You are courageous people. Thank you. Being here and, and filling in uh, during the time your pastor and wife have been away. Um, thank you again, worship team. Um, if you want another extra blessing, you know, in the assemblies of God growing up, we sometimes have things that happen after the service ended where people just hanging out and talking, and maybe praying, rejoicing, sharing, touching. We call it like the afterglow service. If you want to get the preglow service, come like a half an hour before. They're They're practicing. I get blessed. I just sit in here, I'm like, hallelujah. I mean, serious. And, and thank you uh, to all of you that are part of the worship team and all that you do and bring us into the presence of God. Um, it, it's awesome. And if your heart hasn't been touched, you're dead. You need a resurrection. Because God's in this place. And he wants to speak to us again. So this is a little P.S. from last week. Um, we, talked, we talked about Caleb a wholehearted, passionate man who kept his focus no matter what was happening around him. And uh, God dealt very severely with those who didn't have faith, and no, nothing is new. God still deals severely with those who don't have faith. He rewards those who do trust him. And uh, my wife was telling me after the sermon, you know, there's always things you miss. There's always things you could have said. And she said, you didn't say. I'm like, no, I didn't. That They wandered around like... They were real close to the promised land the whole 40 years. They just wandered right now, kind of angry. It's like, like you driving in some South Jersey road. You know, you know, South Jersey got a lot of back roads. <laughs> just imagine you have no GPS, and they just dropped you down with a helicopter and there's a car, and said, so just go drive and figure it out. And you're just driving around. There's no signs. There's not, you're just wandering around, and your destination is like real close, but you can't figure it out. Well, the Israelites did that for 40 years because of. Um, their disbelief in God, except for Caleb and Joshua who believed. And here's what it says in 1 Corinthians 10, to 12. So don't miss these things in Scripture. Uh, this is the, the P.S. Moreover, brethren, I would not have you to be ignorant how that all our fathers run to the cloud and all passed through the sea, and all were baptized under Moses in the cloud and the sea, and all did eat the same spiritual meat, and all to drink the same spiritual drink, for they drank of the spiritual rock that followed them. That rock was Christ. But with many of them, God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things were our examples. Hear that word, examples? When you see that word, it's like, Bo, I need to wake up and look at that, because this this is written to me today, to everyone reading God's word, lest I should do the same kind of things. These were our examples to the intent we should not lust after evil things, as they also lusted. Neither be ye idolaters, as some of them were, as is written. The people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication, as some of them committed, and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. Neither let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted, and were destroyed of serpents. Neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured, no one here has ever murmured, have they? And were destroyed of the destroyer. All these things happen unto them for examples, and they are written for our, our admonition. Upon whom the ends of the world are come, wherefore let him that standeth, excuse me, wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. First Corinthians 10, 1 to twelve. So they're, they're examples for us. They're warnings for us. Um, we we don't want to go that direction. We want to follow God's ways. We don't want to receive judgment. We want to receive blessings. Amen? That's what we want in our lives. So today we're looking at um, five things that Christians do that mess up their lives. And uh, before I get into the points before me, we want to read from uh, Matthew 24. And uh, if you don't have a Bible, there's Bibles in front of you. And if you want to bring it up on the screen... I know I didn't give you these verses in advance, but it's Matthew 24, verses uh, 1 to 14. Jesus left the temple and was walking away when his disciples came up to him to call his attention to its buildings. Do you see all these things, he asked? I tell you the truth, not one stone here will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name claiming I am the Christ and will deceive many. You'll hear of wars and rumors of wars. We're hearing that right now, aren't we? Is Russia going to invade Ukraine? I mean, it's constant in, in a world where sinful people do sinful things. You'll hear wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you're not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nations will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There'll be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. Then you'll be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you'll be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold, but he who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Now, I can't control nations rising against nations, wars and rumors of wars. I can't control earthquakes. I can't control tornadoes, all these kind of things. I can't control famines. You know what I can control? I can control my heart. So can you. And to me, the heart of this message right here is I don't want to be one of those who grows cold. It says it right there, we just read, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will go cold. But he who stands firm to the end will be saved. I want to be one of those that stands firm to the end. How about you? I want to be saved. I want to go to heaven one day. I'm not missing heaven for anybody or anything. Hell is forever. Heaven's forever. One place is really hot and filled with pain. The other place is joyful in every way, and it's a party forever. I'm choosing to go to heaven because I'm not going to let my love grow cold. I'm not going to get caught up with the wickedness around me. Now listen, as a... Where are you at Loretta, she's downstairs with kids. Turn down the volume on the world stuff. She's talking about... Because you, you get so much of this coming into you. You, you, you got your... Maybe you don't. How many have one of these? Phone. Anybody? I should say, how many don't? If you don't have a phone, you have a computer. If you don't have a computer or a phone, you've got a TV. There's so much stuff that comes to us. And you can get consumed with it. I mean, you can watch news 24-7. You can bring it up on your phone, and you can just get just consumed with the wickedness that's happening around you and all all the turmoil and you can get really tribulated when you pull up to get gas in your car and look at how much. It I mean, there's so many things that can tribulate you and consume you. You've got to turn the volume down on the stuff around us and turn the volume up on God and His Word. That's what keeps us on target. Or else we just get sucked up with the world and then we get cold and we walk away from God. I didn't say that. I just read that here in Matthew in the end times. Don't be part of those whose love grows cold. Don't tell me it's impossible to serve God. And the reason I say that is because when I look at the Bible, I look at situations that are a whole lot worse than what we deal with. I can't imagine being alive in Noah's day. 120 years preaching the gospel, eight people get on the boat. Now think about this. Eight people get on the boat. The boat was big enough for a lot of people. If you haven't had a chance to visit the replica of the, of the ark out in Kentucky, how many have ever been out there? It, it's, it'll blow your mind when people say, well, how could all the animals fit? How, just, just go out there and walk through the whole thing they built. They built it to, to the size, the actual size in Scripture. We've been there. It's just awesome. There's room for a lot of people, but only eight people, Noah and his wife, Noah's three sons and his son's wives stayed true to God. Don't tell me it's not possible to stay true to God. There are more than eight righteous people in our world today. I think there's more than eight right here, if I'm counting, okay? So think of it. 120 years building a boat, people calling you all kind of names. Yeah, that old crazy guy. you got to be in a mental institution. He says it's going to rain. There's going to be a flood. He's building the ark, listening to God. All the wicked things that could be said about him and everything, blah, 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 blah. But when the rain started, they stopped their laughing. But eight got in the boat because they were true to God. You can be true to God today. And you have a whole lot of people around you to help you. And God will encourage you daily. So this is the context, and we're getting into some things that will help you. We want you to do actually the opposite of these kind of things. Point number one, things that Christians do that mess up their lives, neglecting the Word of God. We don't read it. We have it to read. We don't read it. And here's what's interesting. When I, when I was in Bible college and uh, Brother Flagstatt, um was with us in Bible college and his wife pray pray for them. They're going through some real difficulties. Pray for Tim and all the families. They deal with helping Brother Flagstatt. Uh Great, great man, him and his wife Great people of God. Um, we, we had to buy books. We had to buy all these commentaries. And they could get a little expensive. And we have shelves. I mean, I unloaded my library and the people at First AG and Carney's Point wondered how I was gonna get it all out. John Baber had built a whole wall of shelves. And he looked in there the other day, and of course all that stuff is gone, it was on the shelves. I said the problem with all those shelves, you could put too much stuff on them. But I got all my books out. I had so many books from over oh, fifty years plus. And I gave some away, and I have more I need to give away. This right here. You can read any passage of Scripture and say, I don't understand it. You can bring up 15 commentaries on a passage of Scripture right here on your phone or your computer. You don't have to go to a lot of books, pull them off the shelf, say, I wonder what the pulpit commentary says. I wonder what Endicott says. I wonder what Spurgeon says. I wonder what it's right on your phone. We have no excuse, do we, to really understand God's Word and to read it? You can read the Bible on your phone. Actually, the the phone will talk to you if you want it to talk to you because you have trouble reading. I mean, we have so many things today to help us get into God's Word, but if we neglect it, we pay the price. And unfortunately, we have those that do neglect God's Word, and they they pay the price. And I I just want to encourage you, if you're not getting into the Bible and reading it, then saying it's going to come... And he's going to deceive you about things. They tell me, and I never was a teller, they tell me that bank tellers have learned to detect counterfeit money by handling the real money. They don't detect counterfeit money by having 10 samples of counterfeit money in front of them because there's always new counterfeits. And I was reading something. I just looked it up this morning again. And this guy who's, who's been a teller and worked at the bank for years, he says, I feel the money. There's something about the feel of real money. And when something doesn't feel right, I set it aside. And then others check it. So there's something about handling the real that helps you detect the counterfeit, right? The real is God's word. And so the psalmist says in Psalm 119, verses 9 to 16, How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, O Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. My wife and daughter and I were discussing yesterday a tragic event that took place back in 1978. And it was the Jim Jones tragedy. How many remember the story of Jim Jones? Jim Jones took a whole bunch of people to South America to a country called Guyana, okay? And then we read the news. It came out it was in, in November, I think it was November 18th, 78. Uh, Over 900 people died. Many of them forced to drink Kool-Aid that had cyanide in it. Uh, cyanide in it others were shot and so forth but here's what's interesting about that story he started out in America as a preacher very charismatic preacher and uh, had a following the people's temple and uh, one day he took the Bible and he set it to the side and he said you don't need to hear from this just listen to me ding 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 should the bells go off in someone's head who are sitting there saying, wait a minute, we don't have to hear from God's Word, just listen to Him? Unfortunately, many people did. Like, this guy must be speaking for God. He got into all kind of wicked stuff, immoral in, in stuff, took all kind of money from people, and then took him to another country, a mass suicide. Getting away from God's Word. When you handle it enough, you'll know the real from the false. When you read it enough and turn the volume down in the world, turn the volume up in God's Word, you'll hear and know truth. Satan comes in many ways to deceive. When we were in uh, Bible college, and Tim, uh, your dad probably has a copy of the Kingdom of the Cults, or he probably did it one time. Dr. Walter Martin, that was the, that was the book on the cults when we were in Bible college. And in the beginning book, He talked about how deceptive the cults are, the false prophets. And he said it's like the sign over the blacksmith shop. There's probably no blacksmith shop around, but they are because there's a lot of horses in South Jersey. And I've watched them at the fair take a straight piece of metal and heat it up and bend it and twist it and make horseshoes out of it. Plus all kind of beautiful ornaments. So there's some shops around. And the sign said, over the blacksmith shop, many twistings and turnings are done here. That sign could be applied to all the false prophets. Many twistings and turnings are done here. Taking truth and twisting it and turning it, taking away from it and adding to it and sucking people in and they think it's the real thing and it's not and it has destroyed many people's lives. You will only discern the false from the truth by staying in God's word. Remember, God gave us this word. He inspired people. All scriptures inspired by God. He spoke to people to write down what is written before us. We can trust this. Now, if you think you can't, maybe you haven't started on the journey yet, but Psalm 34, 8, which I love, says, "'Taste and see the Lord is good.'" Blessed is the man that trusts in him, that keeps his promises. Blessed is the woman. If you will taste, you will see the Lord, he is good. You'll discover the promises he made. He keeps those promises. Now, if you're looking from the outside in, you're like, well, I don't know. you got to jump in. We were at a banquet Friday night for uh, University of Valley Forge, which back in the day when uh, Brother Bert Flagstad and his wife and myself went, it's called Northeast Bible Institute. I'll tell you what, the meal they served was, like, incredible. If you ate like that every day, you'd die. I mean, just, I mean, the appetizers. You know when you go to these, these fancy things, this was a, a banquet to raise funds and people had underwritten everything to raise funds for students, for scholarships. Out in the foyer, big foyer area where this place was held, they, they had so much food that you didn't have to go in and have the main course. I'm serious. I was, I was saying to someone, I was like, i got to be careful because eat too much out here. I'm not going to even be hungry going to get in there. I mean, they had everything you could think of for horse devours. Or is that hors de Or how do you pronounce that? I think it's these French words. It's just like, you know, just write it out so we can understand and speak. It, you know? And, and it's like, man. And, and I missed the whole section on the one side. I was going to get my wife some iced tea. I'm like, oh, my goodness. I wasn't over here. And look at all this stuff over here. I fortunately bypassed all the different kinds of potatoes and stuff they had, but I did get one of those little slider things. And I'm like, oh my goodness. Now, you could have been at that banquet, and you could have walked around saying, I'm hungry, I'm hungry, I'm hungry, I'm hungry. And someone's like, well, what's your problem? There's food. There's food all over. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I'm allergic to that. How many calories are in this? Will this affect my cholesterol? I'm oh, like, I don't know, blah, blah, blah. Please, just sit down and take a fork and start eating. You will taste, and you will see the food's good. And it was good. Whew. God's Word is good. You will taste, and you will see it is good. But you've got to taste for yourself. And when you do, and you stay in God's Word, and you study it, it'll keep you from being deceived by all the false things around you. So I have this little clip to read from Len Dale. Len Dale has been a, a part of Family Policy Council in New Jersey for so many years, speaking up for the family, speaking values. He says, an email just got the other day, I often hear parents' voice their frustration by saying, I can't believe they're teaching this in school. And he says, unfortunately, I can. Our current educational crisis is not taking me by surprise. We've been warning churches. Legislatures and parents for years that the effort to sexualize minors with pornographic novels, to teach risky sexual acts to young children, and to sow seeds of confusion regarding the binary gender was part of a plan to fundamentally change society. One of the first major Supreme Court cases that began the process to redefine the family was Lawrence versus Texas in 2003. This decision set a precedent that state legislators across the country cannot create laws based on traditional sexual morality. Traditional sexual morality is one man and one woman married. And within that marriage of one man and one woman, God brings children as a result of sexual activity. Pretty simple, right? One man, one woman. God's plan was Adam of It's not changed. Unless, but we've been redefining all this stuff in our culture. He said, that wasn't enough, though. The imme- this immediately gave rise to the effort to recognize civil unions between adults of the same sex. In October of 2006, the New Jersey Supreme Court for- forced the state legislature to create a law that recognizes the legal union of two individuals of the same sex. But this wasn't enough. Civil unions quickly became a rational push, a national push, to legalize same-sex marriages... The definition of the nuclear family unit had to be redefined according to activists. In New Jersey, our organization, along with churches and partners across the state, faithfully and successfully stopped the redefinition of marriage for 10 years. After five legislative sessions, it finally did pass, but Governor Chris Christie vetoed it. But this wasn't enough. What activists long depended on was the ultra-liberal progressives who sat on the nation's highest court to implement their plan, in June 2015, the Supreme Court ruled in Og- Ogrefeld versus Hodges that every state was required to recognize same-sex marriages, thereby overturning 5,000 years of world religions, ethnic cultures, traditional laws, and long-standing bedrock family structures. But this wasn't enough. The end game to redefine the family was never intended to simply allow adults to per- receive legal rights between partners as married couples do. It was always about teaching the next generation of children to adopt new sexual ethics and practices. And he says, next week we will continue drawing the direct link between the kindergarten classroom in New Jersey and the national decade-long movement to force the state to end its recognition of the gender binary. And it goes on and on. You know why we have those things happening? Because people have wanted to legalize sin and they've rejected God's clear word. And I hate to say this, but some in our churches have done the same thing. I mean, we have church people who think there's nothing wrong with two people getting married the same sex. What's wrong with it? It's sin. That's what's wrong with it. It's in God's word. That's what's wrong with it. And it doesn't matter how you feel or how you think or what our culture says. It's always what does God's word say? If you're going to live by his word, then you're going to practice it. And you're going to speak for truth. We have churches that will escort women to abortion clinics. I know this isn't one of them. What's wrong with that? It's a woman's right. Who cares about the unborn, innocent baby who's going to be killed in an abortion clinic? Thou shalt not murder is still one of the Ten Commandments, in case you haven't checked that out. It has never been removed. We murder the most innocent because, well, I got pregnant. That wasn't the plan. Well, when two people get together in bed, that happens. Now you can give birth, and you, if you don't want the child, you can give that child for adoption. By the way, Cornerstone Pregnancy. Cornerstone Women's Resource Center has all the helps to help people in every situation, and we're always excited when a woman says yes and gives birth. Some have given their child up for adoption. Others have realized God's grace, His sufficient grace, will help me, even though this wasn't planned. By the way, I wasn't planned. If abortion had been legal in 1950, I might not be here. My mom and dad were Christians. They attended Assembly God Church. They already had three children. My mom wasn't healthy. There were people that told my mom, have an abortion. And there were ways that people did it illegally. Her and dad said no. That's why I'm here. By the way, she had two more children after that. It took mom almost a year to recover. I lived with my aunt Louise and Uncle Charles and cousins who took care of me as a little baby. I don't even remember that, but every one of the children was given to someone else to take care of. But God made a way where there wasn't a way. He always does. So just because a society redefines God's word and labels things that are sin as okay, never means it's right. It's always wrong when it goes against God's word. God's word trumps everything. You need to understand that. So you need to stay in God's word. Because if you don't, you're going to get sucked up with all the deception all around you. Well, this one said that, and this one wrote a book, and that one was on TV. It does not matter. What does god's word say this will keep you on track and if you neglect god's word you're starting to drift away a second thing that christians do that mess them up is they forsake fellowship in the church now some of you here are of the age that well you're retired (laughs) i understand i'm retired you're how's retirement retreating you, Pastor? It's good. I'm, I'm tired every day, and then I, I get retired, and then I get some sleep, and I, I have some energy, and, I get, and then I get tired again. You know, we joke about it. So, so a lady said to her retired husband, she said, what do you plan to do today? He said, nothing. She said, well, you did that yesterday. He said, I know, but I'm not done yet. Okay. That should not be the attitude of us as believers, no matter what our age. Now, there's times to relax and be refreshed, but God has work for us to do, okay? So, point number two is forsaking fellowship in the church. Forsaking fellowship. Well, it's not doing it for me anymore. Did you see the way the pastor was dressed last Sunday? Did you smell that perfume his wife was wearing? Did you see Sister So-and-so? Did you hear her? It's just, it's just not doing it for me anymore. And I, I'm, just not getting, I'm just not getting fed. I'm just, I am just, I just not going anywhere. And then I, So-and-so, oh my goodness, did, that guy's a deacon. Did you hear what he said? These are all things that happen with people, and then they start drifting away, forsaking the fellowship, looking to people instead of looking to God. I saw on your screen, this isn't a perfect church. Oh, I was horrified. No, I wasn't. Because no church is perfect except the church in heaven. But the Savior, the leader of the church, is perfect. All the rest of us are working together to be like Jesus. Romans 12.10 says, Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Galatians two says, Carry each other's burdens, and this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. 1 Thessalonians 5.11, Therefore encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you're doing. 1 John 4.11 Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Hebrews 10, 24, and 25. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day, the day of Christ's return for his faithful ones approaching. And then you can read Acts 2, 40, uh, 2 to 47, where it talks about the interaction of the New Testament church, how they met daily to worship, and they met for instruction. They broke bread together, and they went out and shared the good news. Word wife, if you try to figure it out, wife. Worship, instruction, fellowship, evangelism. It's easy to remember. Four necessary ingredients of a church. This hanging out together is so, so important because we encourage one another. We are devoted to love one another. We serve one another. You can't do that sitting in your lazy boy recliner every Sunday. I mean, if you have to sit there because you're not feeling good, I understand it. But for some people, they never feel good enough to go to church. Monday morning, I'm going to Walmart, though, because they got specials. I'm going to that football game. I don't care if it's six degrees. Really. So before I open up the envelope, Anybody tell me what I got in there? I know, I know. It's hard to tell because, because if you can figure it out, I'll give it to you when it's over. A what? Trumpet? No, not a trumpet. <laughs> good, good guess. A what? Handlebar? No, not a handlebar. Any others? Does have a grip. A, saw. a, a what? A saw. a saw. You are the winner. <laughs> do, you, do you need a saw? Do you know what kind of a saw? How about a hacksaw? But there's something about this hacksaw that's different. It's got a growth on it. Now, this is an old hacksaw. I have old tools I got from my parents and people cleaned out stuff over the years, and. These old hacksaws have been replaced by sawzalls. Anybody have a sawzall? Oh, my goodness. They're just like the cat's meow. You just hit that. It says, you can put a hacksaw blade on there, a regular blade for cutting wood. This saw is hanging in my one shed, and I looked at it one day. I'm like, hey, The mud daubers, or the mud wasps, found the saw. See that growth on there? It's a hunk of mud. They do a great job, just what God designed them to do. And inside, they say when you break them open, they kill all these spiders and they put them in there so when their youngins hatch, there's food. Be glad you're not a spider; you might be inside a hunk of mud. I just I I thought about this and I thought that's what happens when people just hang around, do nothing. Stuff grows on them, bad stuff. Listen to people who've left the church. They'll tell you their sad stories, bitter about everything under the sun. No one's blah 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 blah. blah. Please, you're not perfect either. Have you looked in the mirror lately? When you get away from fellowship and you're just kind of hanging out there, the devil will come to beat you up, and he'll have stuff starting to grow on you. So Scripture says, "Let us lay aside the weights and the sins that so easily beset us." And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. You've got to get rid of this junk. If I'm going to actually use this hacksaw, the mud dauber nest is gone. I mean, I'm just going to break it off of there. And so go find yourself another place to build one. You understand? It makes it just awkward. It's heavy and everything. Mary, if you want this, you can have this. You have to serve a server. <laughs> uh, you can probably find a place to hang this where you live as a kind of a decoration. Don't be one of those people that neglects fellowshipping together. We need each other more than we may think at times. Bill Moses used to tell me daily, and some of you knew Bill. He said, I I don't know how people do it without the Lord. He said, they knew who to call for prayer, but they don't want to be part of the Lord and part of the church. I I said, they don't do it. They don't do it. Their lives are a mess. With the Lord and with his people, things happen. I mean... If you're here, you're here this morning, when you came in here and you started worshiping, something was happening that wouldn't have happened if you were sitting home in your lazy boy recliner, clicking the TV screen and wearing out your thumb or whatever finger you use. Something happened, am I right? You came in the presence of worshiping God, and you're focused on the Lord, and you're saying, oh, Lord, I need you. Boy, may that be the cry of our heart because God responds to people who say, I need you. Have that humble heart that daily says, I need you, Lord. I haven't arrived. I need you every day. And I don't know what tomorrow may hold or the rest of this day, but I need you, Lord. I need you every hour I need you. The third thing that people do that mess up their lives as believers is they underestimate the world. So we can neglect the Word of God. We can neglect forsake the fellowship in the church, neglect fellowship, underestimate the world. James 4 chapter 4 verse 4 says you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. 1 Peter 2:11 and 12, dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. And in 1 John 2, 15 to 17, you can turn and read, it talks about the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. That's what got Adam and Eve in trouble. Okay, nothing's new. So we underestimate the world. We underestimate the enemy who comes to deceive. Eve looked at it, the lust of the flesh. Boy, that apple is really going to taste good. I bet that's a delicious apple brand boy, that's going to look, that's going to really taste good. And she's looking at it with her eyes. It really looks good, too. Did you ever pick up a really nice apple? Come on. And you sort through some of that stuff. You're not going to pick up a rotten one in that in your bag. You're picking up, wow, look at this thing. It's shiny. It's solid. It's going to taste good, and it really looks good. And if I eat this apple, it's going to make me really smart. I mean, I'm I'll be the man. I'll be the lady. People will really look up to me. Lust of flesh, lust of pride of life. She took the apple, gave it to her husband. And if someone says it wasn't the apple in the tree, it was the pear on the ground. You know what? It's still the same. We like to blame things instead of ourselves. But James says that every person is deceived when they're drawn away of their own lust. Then they give in to it, and they do something they shouldn't do. Don't ever estimate... Satan and the world that you live in. Satan is always looking to draw you away in every way he can by things that look good. It's going to taste good. Boy, I'm going to, leave. I'm, I'm going to be the man. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be the bomb. I'm going to be wow. Be careful. Don't ever underestimate the world. Stay close to Jesus and you'll recognize the deceptions. You'll recognize when Satan comes as an angel of light, it says, to deceive. Be careful. Don't ever underestimate the enemy, and don't ever underestimate the power of the Lord to help you. That's why Scripture says we're called to resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. is that easy? You see the devil coming? He's offering you that beautiful, delicious apple. I resist you in Jesus' name. You're a stinking, no-good liar. Get out of my face. Lord, I draw near to you. I need your help. Y'all know what I'm talking about. We live in a real world with real temptations. So don't ever underestimate the world and its influence. And by the way, choose the kind of people you want to hang with who are going the same direction. My son, when he worked with youth at our church for years, he would say, Show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. The people you hang with that become your close friends, they will influence you, and you'll influence them. Why don't you hang with people that are on the road to heaven? We live around the corner, actually, from the church here, about three miles. We're on King's Highway. And when we were kids growing up, we had a song in the church. It's a highway to heaven, none can walk up there. Some of you know it? But the pure in heart, it's a highway to heaven. I'm walking up the King's Highway. We live on the King's Highway, but this isn't the one that's going to take me to heaven. But does remind me that I need to walk on the King's Highway. The straight and narrow way. I need to keep my focus on Jesus and follow his word because I'm going to heaven someday. How about you? Number four, things that can mess up Christians. A desire for riches. The love of the money. Hebrews 13, 5 and 6 said, keep your lives free from the love of money. Be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you so we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid what man can do to me. And then in 1 Timothy 6, uh, Paul talks about those who walked away from the faith, and he talks about those who have pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Now listen, we live in a very materialistic culture. I bet your refrigerator isn't as nice as mine, but you can buy a brand new one today. Uh, your car's a little older now. Monty, you need to get a newer car. You can buy one today. You got that. You can buy anything. In fact, if you don't have the money, you can just charge it. No big deal. You can go and head over heels if you want. Pay all kind of interest on money. You just gotta have. Just we're taught to be consumers. The advertisements are before us all the time on TV. And I would tell you what: there's some people that waste a lot of money on Super Bowl commercials. Some are just outright stupid. Six million, I think six and a half million for 30 seconds. It was like crazy. But it's all geared to getting you to buy something, to get plugged into something. And there are Christians that have chosen to use God for their gain. Instead of godliness with contentment is great gain, they wanted the material gain. You don't think it's possible for it to happen with believers? Well, then you will just reread the story in uh, 2 Kings of um, Elisha the prophet and uh, Gehazi. And we don't have time to, to read through this thing here, but Naaman comes... Because a servant girl's been taken captive and she says, I know there's someone that would pray for you and, and God could heal you. So Naaman comes, he dips in the muddy Jordan River, he's first ticked off. You ever get ticked off about God? This river? There's there's cleaner rivers where I live, why? And his servant had to convince him, You got leprosy, buddy. Just do what the prophet says. Hello? He finally dipped, he's cleansed. Now he wants to give Elisha all these garments and money and everything. Elijah said, nope, we're not making gain out of the gospel here. I'm not charging you for a miracle. Go your way. Gehazi, the servant, says, wow, we just missed an opportunity. So he goes running after Naaman. He says, hey, hey, my master changed my, his mind. You know, we like some garments and gold and blah, 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 blah. Oh, here, take all this, take all this, take all this. By the way, he had served with a prophet of God and seen all kind of miracles. He wasn't told about them. He saw them. He got caught up with the greed of wanting stuff. And then, of course, he lied to Naaman, and then he lied to the prophet. You know, God reveals things to people. The prophet said, hey, where'd you go? I didn't go anywhere. Really? Read the whole story. And then... Gehazi is stricken with leprosy for the rest of his life. Okay, It's all there in Scripture. Getting caught up with stuff. Don't get caught up with stuff. Get caught up with God. And God will provide all of our needs, not our greeds, according to his riches and glory. Be content with what you have and ask God for something in need. And then every now and then, isn't it cool how God just wants to give you handfuls on purpose? Like Boaz with Ruth. Just leave some extra for her. She's gleaning. She comes home like, look at all the stuff I got. And Naomi says, where were you gleaning? I was in Boaz's field. Whoa, something's happening here. And it was. They got married. This is a really neat story. Handfuls on purpose. Don't get caught up with all the stuff that you think you need. Get caught up with Jesus. Then the money you are going to waste on buying something you don't need because your car doesn't have all the bells and whistles because it's five years old. Give that money as a sacrificial gift to your church right here who needs to get caught up with its finances. It's all in the and I read it. And watch how God will provide for the things you need. He's faithful, is he not? Final thing that people do, and I know my time is running out. I've got to slow the clock down. Ah, there's no clock here. Hallelujah. Failure to seek the Lord. You want a story for that? It's Joshua chapter 9, verses 1 to 21. And again, I'm not going to read it for sake of time, but you probably read it. The Gibeonites heard about Joshua and the children of Israel. They heard about their wiping everybody out. So they figured, oh, we don't want to get wiped out. And they were living pretty nearby to where Joshua was at the time, the Israelites. So they devised this whole plan. We'll just come and... We'll bring moldy bread, and we'll bring our our wine containers that are all cracked and wore out, and our sandals and everything. And we'll just come up with this this disguise that we come from a great distance away, and would you make a treaty with us? It's all recorded there, but here's the verse, verse 14 of Joshua 9. The men of Israel sampled their provisions, but did not inquire of the Lord. Then Joshua made a treaty of peace with them to let them live, and the leaders of the assembly ratified it by oath. Do you think it's by chance that one of the gifts of the Spirit is discernment? We need discernment. The provisions looked old and moldy and the shoes wore out. You came from a great distance. You must be telling the truth. Okay, we'll let you live. Three days later, they found that they'd been deceived. Then they had to be true to the covenant they made with them. They couldn't destroy them. So they made them their slaves. It's all recorded here in Scripture. Don't be so quick to make a decision. When something comes to your door, you know, there's a a simple phrase that we've heard growing up. I think I'll sleep on that. I think I won't make a decision right now. Well, I think for a Christian, you need to sleep on it some, and that means you need to inquire of God. Don't be so quick to make a decision because of what your eyes saw or your mouth touched or what you feel. Inquire of God. If, this is Joshua, by the way, so leaders can make mistakes. This is Joshua. He's the leader. Moses is gone. Joshua and the elders with him, they said this must be real. But they didn't inquire of God. Inquire of God. And you know what? When you blow it, you need to be true to what you said. And you need to live with it. You need to own it. That's what they did here. They couldn't just say, okay, you deceived us. We're killing you. They couldn't do that. You need inquire of God. And he will keep you from making bad choices. Anybody know what I'm talking about? So I guess it's my time. Hey, I got six minutes. You guys start coming at worship team. Yeah, it's not going to stand very well woodshed. I'm in my woodshed often cutting, splitting wood. Here's what I know about wood, a few things. This kind of wood is the kind you like to burn. I call this bone dry. This is seasoned wood. If you read what all the experts tell you, they'll tell you that to season wood in order for all the moisture to get out of it, for it to burn good, should be a minimum of six months, sometimes up to two years. Go ahead, read it. It's all out there. They'll tell you all the different woods in the BTUs. Oak, this is oak. Oak is one of the best. Osage is even better. That has those big ground ream, uh, green balls on the ground with all the warts on. They look like big softballs. That's Osage. It's red on the inside. It burns like turbo fuel. But oak is right on the top and there's a lot of it around. This stuff is going to burn really good because of season. This stuff here... As wet as can be. In fact, I just split some of this the other day with an axe. I don't do that too much anymore. I use my hydraulic splitter, Monty. You know what I'm talking about? As we get older, it's easier with the hydraulic. Yeah. And so as I was splitting this, moisture was coming out the top of the log when I put the axe in. You can feel this if you hold it. It is wet. If I put this in my wood stove, it's going to smolder and smolder and smolder, and nothing's going to happen with it. I know, I've burned a lot of wood. I've had some wood not real season. When you put this in the wood stove and you have hot ashes, hot coals and stuff, this is like putting gas in the stove. You put this in, you open up the bottom door for the draft, it goes, just takes off, just eating it up like, yes. This here, there's a big no. Six months or so, this might be ready to burn right now. It's got all kind of moisture in it. it. It's terrible. What's that got to do with me as a Christian, Pastor Keith? Well, seasoned wood burns hot. And in a cold world of sin, Jesus wants us to burn hot for him. People need to see that there actually are people who love and serve Jesus by their words and their deeds. Are you with me? Wet wood, if it burns, it burns lukewarm. I don't want wet wood to try and heat a cold home. Seasoned wood has been in the sun for months and months, and the sun removes all the moisture. If you stay in the sun, S-O-N, it will remove the sinful stuff in our lives that lead to lukewarmness and turning totally away, and growing cold. Did you get that message? I want to stay in the sun. I want to burn hot for Jesus. I don't want to be lukewarm or cold, and have the Lord spit me out of his mouth. Did you get it? Again, thank you for the opportunity to come to share. Some of you are like, I'm so glad Pastor Brian will be here next Sunday. <laughs> I'm glad he's back too listen, it's our heart. Don't, don't do some of these things that we talked about that mess Christians up. Do just the opposite. Get into God's word. Stay, stay in fellowship with, with God's people. Crying out loud, don't ever underestimate the world. Don't get caught up with all the stuff of the world and all the things it offers and get caught up with riches and get away. Seek God. Make decisions after you've heard his voice. Burn hot for Jesus. Amen. Lord Jesus, we ask you to help us today. We live in a real world with real temptations and struggles, but reminded that greater are you in us than the evil one, Satan, who's in the world. And through you, Lord, we are victorious. We can stand firm like Noah and his children and his wife and their wives did. No matter what's happening around us, we can stand firm. And do what you tell us to do until you call us home. There's gonna be a great day coming, Lord. We don't know when that day will be. But your word says to not forsake assembling together, even so much the more as we see the day of your return approaching. We sense us closer than ever before. We wanna be ready, faithful servants, actively engaged in serving you and making a difference in our culture. We wanna be that bright and hot light set on a hill that all can see, shining for you. For you alone are our salvation. Today we give you praise and glory as we conclude this service. Forgive us and cleanse us if we got caught up with any of these things and draw us close to you. May our prayer daily be, as we sang earlier, I need you, Lord. Lord, I need you. We give you praise. Jesus' name. If you're here today, you've never accepted Christ. I need to tell you today is your day. Not tomorrow, not next week, not next year. Today as you hear the voice of God speaking to you, don't resist him. Say yes to him. He loves you. He wants you to bring great blessings in your life.
0: Well, let's just sing that again. Lord, I
2: need you. Come on. Oh, Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. You. Oh, when temptation comes my way, for when I cannot stand, i fall on you. Oh, Jesus, you're my hope and stay.
0: And so that's our prayer today, Lord. Yes. That we will always need you, Father, Lord. Yes. That you would not just be a Sunday thing, Lord, but you would be a daily relationship with us, Lord. That we would put you first in all things, Lord. That you would go before us, Lord. That we would not question anything, Lord. That we would know that you have a greater plan, Lord. That you have a greater timing, Lord. That your ways are perfect and higher, Jesus, Lord. We just lift you up in this place, Lord, and as we go out of these walls, Lord, let us. Uh, be a light for you, Lord. Let us show the hope that there is in the mighty name of Jesus, Lord, that we would invite them into your house, Lord, to encounter your presence, Lord, to encounter your spirit, Lord. And we just thank you for all you have done, Lord. Strengthen us each day, Lord. Give us the peace that surpasses all understanding, Father. Lord, we just lift you high in this place in the mighty name of Jesus, Lord. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 Well, we thank you for joining us today. Let's continue to believe that God is going to do a work in all of our lives and in His church, despite our current circumstances. If you would like to support the ministry of Salem First Assembly, you can do so by mailing to 430 Route 45, Salem, New Jersey, 08079, or by visiting our website at SalemFirstAg.org. Please join us for service next Sunday at 10:30 a.m., or you can watch service every Sunday afternoon on Facebook at Salem First Assembly or YouTube. At Salem First AG. You can also listen to the message every Tuesday on Podbean. Have a blessed rest of your day. Let's remember to be a blessing and that
2: life is living in faith every day.